Hi folks, before you listen to this episode, I just wanted to let you know that we did have a bit of a technical snafu, unfortunately, and we lost the majority of the episode. Uh, The topic of the episode is Russian movies, and we'll likely try to re-record it at a later date and give you kind of the full episode, but this is a pretty good clip. Uh, In it, we're talking to Lily's dear friend Nastia Hume, right? remember from the Rumichnaya tour episode and we're discussing two films the return and leviathan which were made in 2003 and 2013 respectively and nasi is sort of using them as an example to talk about a particular shift in russian film that is signaled by the start of deteriorating relationships that Russia had with the West, what we often refer to as the start of the new Cold War, but a combination of Maidan and Crimea. So give it a listen, and we hope you enjoy this shorty this week. Yeah, I have a quick PSA. It's kind of more geared towards women because women seem to particularly enjoy this item, but men might also enjoy it. So if you live in a cold place... For example, New York or Russia. Or Russia? And Jesus. Or Russia. I hate you. What? New York is a city. Russia is a country. Oh, my God. <laughs> New York is also a state. Go ahead, Ignoramus. Is there any place in Russia that doesn't get cold during the winter? Yeah, south. Ha, ha, ha. Wait, what? How not cold? Like Sochi and shit. Like we have black seas, you know. Does it? Get, but it gets cold, but not like that cold, right? Sochi has snow, doesn't it? Like well, they snow. have mountains, so. All right. If you live in a cold place that is either a city, state, or country. What about a rogue state? What about a city state? <laughs> I highly recommend getting a heating pad. You've been doing this for like two years, but now you're just yeah. using this platform. <laughs> I just finally got to break mine out because it's been like annoyingly hot here. It's been like 80 degrees and it's great. It's really, really, really the best thing. And they're only like $10. So just get yourself one and you'll love it. You mean an electric heating pad that plugs into the wall? Correct. And what do you do with it? You put it on your your aching thing that is called a uterus? No, I put it down on my bed and I sit on it like all day. Wait, you would like Russian folklore? How? Yes, explain to us. <laughs> no, it's because like like the not just folklore, but like the Russian oven that you can like sit on. Oh, Pechka, okay. Smith would love that, right? It's like a massive heating pad. Come here in one of our thousands of villages and you can chill at some Pechka. Wait, so it's like an oven in your home and then people also sit on top of them? Yeah, sort of. I mean I think it's made of clay, right? It's basically like an earthen like oven thing that's inside the, a mm-hmm. little like inside your house, like cabin-esque house, right? Yeah, there's like a small hole and uh, there is a fire underneath so you can cook too. And, uh, you know, it's, it takes a lot of space in a small house. So you, like, you can use it as a bed as well. And that's what they... Oh. Yeah, that's what we're referring to. So basically, like, it has, like, an entrance, like a pizza oven, you know, like a little arch. And it's yeah. really hot inside. I don't really know how... The whole, like, heating the oven is, like, a thing. Like, Polia has one at her dacha. And, like, her grandma is, like, very particular about, like, how you heat it. Like, the way you put in the wood and stuff. The traditional ones that I'm imagining, they're, like, long. It's basically a whole surface. That's what we're saying. So you can, like, sleep on it. It's like a whole, like, bench or something. I feel like you would wake up really sweaty. (laughs) But you'd be wrapped in peasant wool and it would be good. (laughs) Wick away the sweat. It's the original, like, dry technology. (laughs)
This is the meat of the podcast. <laughs> have you ever have you ever caught your have you ever caught your profile reflection in the mirror? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 This shit feel like I won't ever make it home. Traffic's backed up, I got to get off of this road. Hooked mm. on the gas, I swear to God, I'm in my zone. This is She's in Russia, I'm Lily, and I'm in St. Petersburg. And I'm Smith, and I'm in Brooklyn. And today. We have a special guest who you may recognize from another episode. Her name is Anastasia. Nast, Nastya, say hi. Hi. I'm in Russia too. Where in Russia are you? In St. Petersburg. Nastya is my dear friend and also a pop culture expert, among other things. Enthusiast. Enthusiast. I would say. Yeah, she agreed to come on the show today and talk to us about Russian film but it's not just Russian in general so maybe like this will help us start off what we want to do is give like a brief overview Nas can you break down the time periods as you so lovelyly did before so as you know Soviet movies are pretty pretty famous I feel like people do understand what a Soviet cinematography is and then Perestroika happened and Directors and actors and writers started to look up to their Western colleagues because the interaction between two countries finally started happening. And then Soviet Union stopped existed, existing. And um, what happened is there is a big part of Russian cinematography that is 90s Russian movies. They're all pretty dark. And uh, since the country was in a big problematic state with a lot of violence, murders, and, you know, chaotic state or something like that. Movies are mostly about it or with some dark humor. And uh, then we started to have some problems with modern Russian cinema because there is a problem with identification and finding your voice. And I feel like we're still in this unstable state No one knows what is Russian cinema yet. We just know that it's pretty bad. Uh, Yeah, that's true. But, you know, there is some beauty in it, too, because we can see some familiar places and situations. And recognition is always a nice, uh, you know, cultural process for a person. But we're still not ready to show our movies to people from other countries yet. You know, American movies, most of them, uh, I mean, a lot of American movies are based on some inner cultural things, but most of them are meant for a very wide audience. Unlike Russian movies, those are for Russian people only. Do you also mean sort of like maybe like Russian directors or like filmmakers ability to communicate? specific things about Russian culture to the outside and you think that right now the movies that are being made can only communicate Russian culture to Russian people? Yeah, I think that's what's been happening from beginning of 21st century till the, like, I don't know, 2012? 2014, let's say. The moment we started being less friendly to Western world 
I think Russian directors, they felt the urge to find a better language to speak to Western audience better. Oh, that's interesting. Like, okay, so wait, wait, hold on. Because when you're saying all this stuff about like making movies that are only for a Russian audience and stuff, like I think about the, like we all watched the movie The Return. I'm thinking about like that director. Can you say his name? Yeah, Andrei Zvyagintsev. He's now kind of like fairly famous outside of Russia for doing Leviathan. And so, yeah, when you talked about that, I mean, I was just thinking about how like the movie The Return, which is from 2003, yeah. Yeah. Do you see a difference between like just if we take his work, do you see a difference between like that movie and Leviathan? Like I see a difference, but I'm not sure if I can like articulate. Before we talk about the movie, can you just introduce a little bit about what it's about? So The Return is about um, a family two sons specifically. They live in a very small town and uh, they have no father. And then he suddenly returns and he takes them on a very long journey. And so it's mostly about the younger boy trying to understand why this unknown man he's been waiting his whole life to meet is here and why is he so different from you know this hero he imagined in his mind i'm really just interested in the point that you made this breaking point between like the early the first 10 the first years of the 2000s up until like maidan and like so do you think that you could describe what you mean using like either that director or some other person like could we compare like the return from 2003 and like leviathan I was thinking about uh, Leviathan, or Leviathan. Is it a B or a V? Leviathan. Leviathan, okay. Am I right, Smith? We pronounce it Leviathan. Okay. Leviathan, yeah. And like Russians pronounce it like not like that. Leviathan, yeah. Leviathan. Leviathan, okay. Leviathan. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it is a 2000, 2014 movie, right? That, yes, that's what IMDb says. Yeah, that's 2014. It's a pretty stressful time. And Zvagintsev and uh, The Return in particular and early Zvagintsev's art as well. His movies are very beautiful and he is extremely symbolic. But he has never touched this political thing, you know? But Leviathan was a pretty scandalous in Russia. You know, not like Matilda today, but still people were upset with it let's say it this way mostly they were upset because it was so successful outside of russia and as you remember if you've seen it the images of russian people are not the most flattering ones which is not new you know that's what we like russian movies are pretty much always about unpretty russian people and their unpretty behavior their their bright characters mostly but once you know, a movie goes outside of Russia and becomes famous, people start getting very nervous about other people seeing those images being made by a Russian director. I think I don't think it was his goal to like portray dark Russian realities. It was just about uh, a person, you know, battling with some bureaucracy and shit. And that's, that was the moment, I think, when he personally, as, uh, you know, a famous director, 
took a stand and started being very vocal about his thoughts on modern Russian politics and um, I think Crimea as well. I haven't seen Leviathan. Is Leviathan itself political? Or you're saying that after the release of Leviathan, he became political as an individual? It's, it's sort of political, but it's like it's inner Russian politics. It's about bureaucracy, which is like a very common problem here. And it's been like that since, you know, Nicholas I. It's about local bureaucracy. Smith, it's about like a uh, some kind of case where like he wants to like sell his house, right? Yeah. There's scenes in like a local court about a man like trying to get through this bureaucratic system. It's set in a very, again, like small town. Actually, what's just an interesting note, I don't remember the details of this, but apparently the original story is like from an American story. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Like he found the story in some American, they had the this, this similar problem there with bureaucracy and a guy trying to sell his house. That's what he's like. That's what he kept saying. He was like, "Why are you all so aggressive?" I'm not trying to portray Russia as an awful place. I even found the original story in the states. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, any other podcast app that you use. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at She's in Russia. Sign up for our newsletter at She's in Russia.com. And the mailbox still exists. We'd love to get your call. And the number is 347 292 7126.